leads to tremendous loss. And uh, so as I share today, I want to uh, be sensitive just to what will emerge in people's lives as I share. Some of you may be very happy, some of you may be very mad, some of you may be quite sad. Uh, whatever it is, I want you just to let God work into your heart, faith to believe what I'm going to share with you now. And uh, over the last few weeks, I've been speaking about uh, authority, God's order. And particularly, we've been looking at this whole issue of authority as it relates to the home. And I'm aware, of course, that there are some who are single, and uh, there are some who are single parents. Uh, there are some who are divorced. There are people in a whole range of situations. What we need to understand is that over the last 30 years, there has been a tremendous uh, uh, um, push into the community of teachings and philosophies that undermine confidence in the Word of God. Around about the 60s, there came the emergence of the feminist movement, and they had a lot of cause to want to stand up and speak. And much of their cause was uh, justified in that there had been tremendous uh, abuse and misuse of women. However, what they attempted to do was to change an order that God has set in place. And we have to understand that while God treats everyone as being equal before him. The Bible tells us in Galatians 3, it says, we are all one in Christ. It tells us that there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. In other words, racial distinctions or gender distinctions do not count in the eyes of God when it comes to receiving Christ as your Savior, when it comes to receiving God's favor and blessing, when it comes to receiving faith to operate in the gifts. We are all on the same uh, basis in that area. However, God makes it very clear that people have different roles. You understand that people can be equal but have a different role and function. The movement that's taken place as a result of uh, humanist philosophies through the Teachers College in our society has been one to promote equality and rights. Whereas the Bible does not promote equality, it says that people are equal before God but they have different roles and responsibilities that must be recognized. So the Bible very much teaches concerning the roles we have and the responsibilities that go with that. And over the last uh, three decades, there has been an erosion of biblical standards and ways of thinking that has come into every part of society. And so as we teach in the areas of the Word of God, you have to understand this. What I'm teaching is directly contrary to the flow of what's happening in society that as you embrace this teaching, it will upset and disturb people around you who understand that you think and act this way. I was talking to one young man, and uh, he said that even now, two years after he got married, his people at work are still manifesting over his wife vowing that she would submit to his leadership in marriage. You understand that a spirit of rebellion and lawlessness, an antichrist spirit that opposes what is godly, is at work, and under the guise of firstly men and women being equal, then it goes on and it begins to start to promote this equality teaching all the way through demanding rights, demanding equality, whereas the Bible's perspective is responsibilities and roles. So we do not have the same roles. We do not have the same responsibilities. God causes us to be quite distinct in these areas. And so you have, the, first of all, the women's rights, then it comes to uh, gay rights, then it comes to kids' rights, animals' rights, the rights of the trees, the land rights. It actually just goes beyond all sense. 
And underneath it, what you've got to understand is the spiritual power working to erode our confidence in the Word of God so we doubt, like the devil came to Eve and said, hath God said this? Now, many of you will be in the position, hath God really said this? And so as I share and speak, it will certainly upheave and upset some things. I can't deal with it all in one meeting, but one of the things that's interesting in our society is this, is that people take the exception and then they build a case for the whole thing on the exception. And so you find, for example, there'll be large numbers of parents who will be correctly uh, using corporal punishment in their homes. They use it sparingly. They use it in the right attitude and spirit. But there'll be some who are abusing their children. And so people take the situation of abuse and then make it a rule that covers all and it takes away even the rights of those who are actually walking in the way that God has told us to walk. So you find all over society rules and laws are being bent so that the exception then sets what the whole rule will be. Now we've got to, in trying to put things right, you've got to go to how God set it in place the first time. As I talk, I can't address in one session all of the issues that will arise out of this. All I could say is, if God is speaking to you, listen to what he is saying and let him adjust your heart and your attitude. Ask him for wisdom to know what to do. There will be many situations I can't address, but I'm trying to lay the principles. Because if you get the principles, you can then let God show you how you apply it to your specific situation in your specific area. Do not get legal about it, but ask God to show you as you hear his word, how to respond to his word in your life. And that's, that's the way to do this. Now, uh, we, we will find, as we're speaking this here, one of the reasons God is talking on these issues of authority is because over the last uh, three or four decades, there has been a restoration in the church of various areas of ministry. There was the restoration of evangelists uh, around about the 48 through to 50s. There was the restoration uh, of healing ministries. There was the restoration of pastoral ministries, of teaching ministries. In the 90s, there came an emphasis in the church of prophetic ministries. So all over, there's prophetic conferences for this and that, and there's an awareness that God is wanting to restore the prophetic gift and office into the church. But now, as we enter the 2000 and this decade, God is speaking worldwide about the restoration of apostolic ministries in the church. And uh, so... Because of that, there will be changes take place that we will need to understand. And one of the things the apostles are interested in doing is establishing the foundations right and getting the order right. So in the next decade, you will find an increasing uh, awareness of God's order, of how God wants things set in place, and you'll find the church will go through changes in how it's operating and organized. This is because God is calling to be this way. He is restoring these giftings in their authority, their office, and in their direction into the church. And uh, so with, those, uh, with the apostle, there will come measures of anointing that will cause disruptions in the spirit atmosphere. And there will cause exposure of demonic powers. Everywhere you see the apostles ministering, there was great exposure of the works of darkness, and there was an ordering and a setting into place in a way that the church could properly be built. And so God is doing that in this decade. Now, one of the areas you and I need to understand is the area of authority and how authority works. Mostly because of the abuse of authority, and that's all we ever hear out. You hear about the misuse or abuse of authority, 
and the reactions that come with that. All over the world, that's being very, very clear. However, you can't look at the exceptions or the misuse and build a way of thinking and relating on that. You must go to the Word of God. What did God say? How does this apply to me? What must I do in my life to adjust to what God is saying? Does that make sense? So as we begin to speak into these areas, this important teaching concerning spiritual authority, I could speak for weeks and weeks on it because it covers every aspect of how we live and move and operate in the Spirit. One of the things that God has uh, uh, helped me to understand is because of an involvement in deliverance ministry, I've had the privilege of seeing things happen that most people have not seen. And because of that, I've come to understand how some things operate in the spirit world that people generally do not understand. Because they don't understand, they uh, find themselves uh, positioning themselves in a way that God can't bless them. So over these next months, we want to be touching and we'll keep the issue of authority in mind as we address various areas of how we walk with God. We're, at the moment, we're looking at the area of the man and his headship in the home. And I've been pushing it for a few weeks for this reason. One, that most of the problems that you can trace in our society directly come back to the loss of men fulfilling the proper role God gave them and designed for them. The second one is because there is tremendous brokenness and damage in the lives of people and misunderstandings about this area. And thirdly, because as a result of this, demonic powers have set themselves into marriages and family situations, creating havoc and destruction, and they are able to continue to do so because men do not understand their role or understand the authority God's given them, nor know how to use it properly. And uh, I want to touch particularly on that today. Finally, the final reason I want to keep pushing on it is this. My observation, and I'm not condemning in any kind of way, my observation over, after preaching on this area for about three weeks is that there is a general unresponsiveness in men. That no matter what I'm saying, it's not bringing change. Now, there's only two things that can be the cause of that. One is a real need for deep repentance and an understanding of the truth and a turning of the heart. And two, that demonic powers are holding men in bondage so that they are unable to see, grasp, and arise in this truth. The third is the needs and models of how to do it. Now, women, I encourage you to be patient as I speak into this area, because if you get it right at the head, it comes right everywhere. And I'm not in any way saying that women are not of value. What I'm trying to do is to get God's order into place. And the problems many of the women here have today are because men fail to function properly and continue to fail. And God is wanting to address that and alter the dynamics in marriages and families and also alter the dynamics of how church operates in order that the church can be a safer place and that there be an increasing apostolic authority over the church. Does that make sense? If the church is going to exercise authority, men who are appointed by God as heads of their home must stand up and fulfill the responsibility God has given them. And the woman must encourage them and stand behind them and give a loud shout every time another one stands up. You understand that? Because the pressure will come off. Let me say this. If the man fails in this area, the weight does come on the woman and God has not designed you to take it. And so what happens is you are stressed and pressured and taking pills and tablets and having nightmares 
because men aren't doing what they ought to do. And I believe God wants to bring a significant adjustment in the church, not only here, but in other places, so that we can get this breakthrough. Now, uh, just before I get on to preaching the message, I want to share another thing. Some years ago, I gathered the church into spiritual warfare. We began to uh, teach on how to address spirit powers and what to do in the spirit. Now, we had tremendous results. You could literally predict the kinds of miracles we would have on Sundays as a result of that. But an unusual thing happened. I found within the space of three months, I had major uh, breakdowns in marriages and families occurring. And I, I asked the Lord about it. And he told me a very simple thing. He said, Ephesians 5 comes before Ephesians 6. You think, well, that's pretty simple. But it's very, very deep. Ephesians 5 has to do with right order in relationships, or as we see it, positioning yourself in battle array so you can win. Ephesians 6 has to do with the battle. But if we don't position ourselves in a winning position, we can't win the battle. So the only way the church is going to be able to ever bring revival into a region is if it takes seriously what Jesus says about order in relationships. That is, husband and wife, parents and children, bosses and workers, leaders and followers. God addresses each one specifically in Ephesians 5 and through into 6 so that we can launch into spiritual warfare and be safe. And I, I get tired of having a lot of casualties because casualties take a lot of time to repair. You don't need to be a casualty. You can be a victorious soldier. That is God's plan for you. But if you're going to do it, you've got to abide by the rules of engagement. And so I want to go into the Word of God again and I want to push again on the husband's role. I'm going to start off by looking at why God says for a wife to be in submission to a husband. Now, we're not going to go into all the hows of that. I know the men were starting to get excited by that teaching, but no, we're not going to go there. I just want to actually today address the area of understanding, and I want to call this message because of the angels. And I want to give you insight to the spirit realm that I've learned after ministering a deliverance that will help you see why it is important, whether you're a man, a woman, or a child, that you get yourself under the covering God has ordained for your life so you can be a winner in the spiritual conflict. Does that make sense? Okay then, well let's go to Ephesians uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and pick it up there. Verse 3, I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So the head, the one person that is not designated head is the woman. Did you notice that? God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of the man, the man is the head of the woman. And the woman is not the head of anything. But yet, many women are burdened because they are occupying that role. And they're occupying that role because men fail to do what God said to do. So we've got to get this into perspective. Now, of course, there'll be situations in single-parent families where the woman, because there is no man there, is the head of that family unit, spiritual head of that family unit. However she's wise, she'll find a mature Christian man who can stand in agreement with her and provide a measure of spiritual covering for her. If a woman is single, normally she's under the headship covering of her father. That is why the father takes his daughter down the aisle, because his daughter is under his covering. Most women today have left home, gone here, done this and done that, and they live a life outside that protection and covering. Therefore, they have many problems come with it. 
We won't go there. We just stick with what the Bible says in this area. As I say, there's a lot of sidetracks I could take, but I'll just throw them out to you, and if it pricks you, well, then ask God to show what he wants to say. So the head. Now, the head is a role of leadership. Your head directs your body. If your body operates without the direction of your head, you are generally considered worthy of being locked up somewhere or given medical attention to sedate you. In other words, your head should direct where the rest of your body goes. And so the head is a position or role of leadership and authority that God has designated to the man. Now, we don't have to pray it into being. God just said it. This is how it is. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of the woman. Now, what you understand is the head means a role of leadership and authority, spiritual authority. It is a positioning of authority. It carries weight in the spirit world that the spirit world recognizes. And when a man stands up in it, he can accomplish more in his praying than his wife can if he exercises the authority of the office God's given him. Okay then, now, it, the Bible tells us very clearly that authority is, uh, is, does not mean that he has greater value. doesn't mean that at all. Both the husband and the wife are of equal value. But what it does mean is this, that the husband in the relationship has a particular role of greater responsibility. And generally it goes like this. The one with the greater authority is required before God to protect those of lesser authority. So if God has designated the man to be the head of his wife and his family, then he is responsible to protect all who are under him. If the man fails to protect his wife and his children spiritually, then they will come under demonic attack and all kinds of problems will enter into the family. So the man has a, a, a responsibility to use his authority in order to protect his family, his wife particularly. And the authority is just literally how God organized the role so the family could function as a unit. So God has got a, a father, husband and a wife and children and God says this is how it will operate. The husband will be the head. He will give the leadership and carry the greater responsibility, greater authority. His wife will be a partner, a co-heir with him under his authority and a partner with him. And together they will have authority over their children. And as the children abide under the authority of their parents and the wife under the authority of a husband and the husband under the authority of Christ, they have great spiritual influence and can minister and release the power and blessing of God. That's how God set it up. So the man is the head, very clearly, and the woman is designed to be his help. In other words, God, set, God put the man first on the earth and gave him a commission and a job and then created the woman to come alongside him and help him fulfill the destiny that God had given him. So when a woman marries a man, you marry into the destiny of that man. You come in under his authority and leadership. So you better check out. You've got a good one and not let insecurity and some other kind of goofy reason get you involved. And if those around you, including your father, say this isn't the right one, you had better listen. You are about to become a partner in someone's destiny, a helper provided by God to help him fulfill his God-given call. But if you're a man here, you better stand up and find out what your God-given call is so that when a woman comes along, you're able to give her leadership and direction and know where you're going. Instead of hanging around, waiting for something to happen. 
Now I want you to see on now it goes, verse 9, it says, uh, for the, uh, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman was made for the man. That's what it is. So now it says, for this cause, because the woman was created for the man, it says, for this reason, then the woman ought to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man and the Lord. In other words, it's saying in verse 11, there are teens. But in verse 10 it says, now the woman ought to, or is, that word ought means is obliged to, is indebted to, needs to, or it is of great benefit to her if she does this thing. And it says she ought to have a power on her head because of the angels. Now we need to, what an unusual thing to say. Now of course in some churches uh, the women wear hats. And so they sit there with their hats and others have little things that sit on their head and they sit there, and uh, they think as they're fulfilling the biblical directive, having their head covered. And naturally, they may well be, but the heart could be full of all kinds of rebellion, resentment, and all kinds of other things. This is primarily not to do about whether you wear a hat or not wear a hat. It's about being positioned in a place where you are covered or under authority so you can be victorious in battle. So it says, the woman ought to have her head covered uh, a, a, a power over her head because of the angels. That word power is literally this. It's the word meaning a delegated authority. The woman ought to have a person of delegated authority. Someone with legal right to stand in that role ought to be over her. Why? Because of the angels? What on earth could that mean? Yet that term, because of the angels, is full of spiritual significance. And not only spiritual significance, practical significance as you'll see in a moment now when he says because of the angels there are two kinds of angels he could be referring to those angels who come from God to fulfill God's bidding and they are able to operate where God's order is being established and demonic spirits or demonic angels or fallen angels under the governorship or leadership of Satan who operate where God's order is violated so it says you ought to position yourself in a place where you're under spiritual protection because there is a whole spirit realm out there and either blessings or assaults are launched upon you depending on how you position yourself. And we're going to have a look at how you can position. There's only one of two options you have in positioning yourself. And they have to do with your heart attitude. Now, the word the Bible uses is the word submit terrible word, people don't like it, full of emotion but you, it's because they don't understand it now submit and obey are two completely different terms submit is the word in the original language, hupo tasso tasso is to position yourself in battle array or arrange yourself in the rightful position you ought to be, hupo means under, so putting it together it means this, you position yourself under the authority God has delegated over you so you can be in battle array and fulfill what God has called you to do. And there are only two positions you can take. Under, hupo, and anti, against. There's no in-between ground. In these issues, you are either in your right place or you're out of your right place. You have positioned yourself. God will not position you. He just tells you how it's to be ordered. You position yourself there or you position yourself against it. There's no in-between ground. Can we understand that? No in-between ground. 
It's either we're, we're positioning ourselves so God can bless us and protect us and we can flow with authority and power or we position ourselves against it where Satan has legal rights of access to our life. Does it make sense? Okay, I know where I want to be positioned. Anyone who, I tell you, anyone who has a revelation of the kingdom of God and the authority structure in it wants to be protected. You just want to be in the right place. You don't want to ever find yourself out there as a rebel and demons have free access to your life to bring all kinds of havoc and torment. So it says here, because of the angels. Now, it says that the woman needs to position herself because of the spirit world. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the spirit realm. Why don't you have a look with me in Psalm 8? Move along. Psalm 8. And 4, 5, and 6. Just three verses there. Now, I have found some interesting things in deliverance work that no one, a lot of people don't understand. It's quite interesting. I'll share them with you in just a moment. But let me just, I want to share with you something here about the order in the spiritual world. Now, I'm sharing this. I'm not going to go into a lot of Bible study on it because I want to get to the real issue, which is the man occupying the place of spiritual gatekeeper. However, let's just touch on some things here. It says here, what is man, verse 4, that you are mindful of him? In other words, how, how come you think about man all the time? So, and son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor and you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under man's feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field. Now, God is a God of order and so there is order in the universe. God has created rules that govern the natural world and the spiritual world. Everyone abides by them. Now, one of the most important rules is the rules which govern authority relationships. And we'll see in a moment. The devil is required to submit to God's rules. He just can't run around doing what he wants. He actually has to obey what God has set down. Now, all everything that God has created, he's ordered in ranks of authority. They're just not lots of people all over the place. So, for example, the angels of God. I won't go into the scriptures on it, but the angels of God are ordered in a hierarchy. The Bible describes at least two of them by name. The top ones are the archangel, and it tells us Michael, responsible for Israel, and Gabriel, who visited the earth at one point there announcing the birth of Jesus. Archangels. There are cherubim and seraphim around the throne of God, and then there are various levels of angels. In the demonic kingdom, the Bible tells us there's Satan, an archangel. Then there are, in Ephesians 6, Around about verse 12, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly or the spirit realm. In other words, ordinary demons, uh, occult demons, and then lower level demons. So that's structured. It's like an army in battle array. So you have an army on one side in battle array, an army on the other side in battle array, and both are required to submit to the terms that God has laid down. That's extraordinary. Because God has chosen man out of all his creation. Now, man also has to submit to the rules God set out. So God has set rules of authority governing the government, uh, governing home, governing workplace, and governing the church. There are set things God has set down. And so one of the most important things you can do is find where you are in the order of things, and then you are empowered to bless all those below you. Does that make sense? To be a greater authority is to have greater responsibility. That means you're a greater servant. Why Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, it's not about bossing people around. It's actually, those are all the people you serve. So you want to climb up the ladder? No way, you're going down. You've got a heap of people more to serve. 
And you've got to lay your life down for them. That's what Jesus said. Matthew uh, 20 and uh, verse about 24 to 28, he said, in the world they will boss over one another, but in the kingdom of God, it's not like that. You become the servant of more. So if you want to be great, get to serve a lot more people. That's how you get to be great in the kingdom of God. And the more God's going, but before you start doing that, make sure you're doing what you've been given now. Be responsible for what you've been given now and fulfill that. So uh, now the Bible makes it very clear that uh, human beings shall judge angels. So we need to understand that God has positioned us only a little lower than him. We are made in the image of God and our destiny is that we will govern all of God's creation. How about that? We will rule over angels, but it's not quite like that at the moment. So when a person is outside of Christ, he has no authority in the spirit world at all. He is under the dominion of darkness. When a person gets saved, he comes out of the kingdom of darkness by acknowledging allegiance to Jesus Christ. Now he enters a new realm and out of his relationship with Christ, he can be positioned to have dominion over demons and over spiritual forces to release blessing and to protect. So here's some of the, de- this, some of the guidelines that operate it. Number one, Satan as a creative being must abide by God's guidelines. He can't just do what he wants. He's confined to work in darkness outside the law of God. That's where he's confined to. He can only get into your life if he deceives you and you don't believe the word of God. You've got to find a way in. And we'll see how he does that in a moment. Uh, Now, God has created laws that govern the natural world and the spiritual world, and he upholds them. The greatest laws, of course, are concerning authority. Now, you have one of two positions you can take in relationship to spiritual authority. You either position yourself under it as you recognize it, or you resist it. One of two. Very, very simple. If you position yourself under it, it tells us in Romans 13, verse 1 and 2, then we are able, of course, to actually flow with God and be blessed and protected by those God's placed over us. But if we resist it, then we receive into ourselves the consequences of that. And we'll see what those are. Now, one of the things that we need to understand is that the spirit world recognizes all authority relationships. So the spirit world recognizes the authority of a husband. Now, I had a situation that vividly pointed this out. I had a deliverance situation where there was a woman who'd been involved in the occult and what had happened was she had been uh, intensely involved and through a number of perversions had entered into marriage, unlawful marriage relationship with a demon power through uh, a variety. I won't go into the details of how it all happened, but it happened. And so years later, she's in terrible bondage and there's a problem in their marriage. So I got the husband to stand up as the head of the home, and I showed him how to pray. And as he began to pray, this situation had been covered for 30 years, exposed itself. Then uh, when I tried to minister to her, she didn't want the husband to be there, and I just allowed it to be for a little while, and I didn't feel quite right about it. And we got to a certain point when this demon was exposed and was manifesting, and I couldn't get it out. It was very hard to get it out. It was, just, it was resistant. And I don't carry on. I, I've, I've learned that if it won't come out, it's got a ground to stay there. And if it's got a ground to stay there, you've got to get rid of the legal ground. That's why it's not a matter of being delivered. You've got to walk in holiness. You've got to walk with God. Otherwise, demons come back again. Okay, so what happened was, I got the husband. I said, now listen, your wife doesn't seem to want you here, but I'm going to get you to come anyway. I'm the, the pastor, and you're the head that God has appointed over her. I want you to be there. So we're going to direct it. So I said, get in the next room and pray in tongues. And when I call you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to walk straight in behind me. I want you to come over. I want you to lay your hands on your wife's head. And I want you to speak very strongly and clearly to the demon in her and say, as her lawful husband and the head of this marriage, I take authority over this unlawful marriage and break it. And I command the demon afflicting my wife to go. 
And so I said, now just do it when I tell you. So we got praying, and the woman uh, manifested. I had another woman with me, and I told her, now just you keep praying for her and keep that thing manifesting up near the surface for me, and I'll be back in a minute. So she was, she was lying on her face with her feet to the door and her face away from the door, face down. So she couldn't see what was going on. Now, I went out the door, got the husband, came back. Now, as we walked through the door, and the woman, she can't even see what's going on, the demon yelled out. This is what he yelled out. What's he doing here? I thought, ooh, I like that. I said, you'll find out in a moment. And he went straight over and he laid hands on her. He stood in his office as the head of the home, took dominion over the demon, unlawfully connected to his wife, and I laid hands on top of him as the pastor. Immediately it went out, just like that. And I learned something that day. I learned that in the spirit world, this thing counts. And if it counts that much, then there's a big problem if men don't stand up. Big problem. Because they recognize it. Now, let me tell you something else. Demons can discern the condition of a person whether they have grounds to access them or not. Now, you might think you're smart. You can hide from me and from everyone around you but you can't keep hidden from the spirit world your heart condition. And if you, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 27, do not give a legal ground or a foothold for the devil to access your life. Don't do it. Now, wouldn't tell us that if it wasn't possible. And it's in the context of people being angry with one another. Wow. He's got some things to say about anger and how it unleashes demonic forces against the person you're angry against. And verse in Matthew chapter 5, you can read that some other time. We don't go there. All right, and so he uh, says, uh, don't give place or position. So we've got to understand then, uh, I want you to have a look with me quickly in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43 through to 45. I want to show you a verse that makes it very clear demons can discern when a person is open for them to come in. In other words, if you've created the right opportunities, they can get in. Verse 43, when the unclean spirit's gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and doesn't find any. The demons are looking for a place. Now, they're not looking for a place to lie down. For a demon, a place of rest is a place he feels comfortable in. That's a person, especially of the sin area in their life. And he says, then he goes, he says, I will return to my house from where I came out. And when he has come, he finds it empty, swept and garnished. And he goes and he takes with himself several other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter in and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Now, this tells I don't want to go through all of that. It's related specifically to deliverance. But let me just bring this out of that, that a demon knows people. Could he go back and say, that was my house. I was there. It can come back. Okay. And if it can come back, it was there originally. It looks at the person, and this is what it can do. It can actually tell whether a person's open and exposed and vulnerable or unprotected. It can tell. Because it says, look to the house. So I'll go back in there. He said, I know what else I'll do. The demons can talk to one another. Oh. And they work together. Oh. And they can work together to come in and invade a person and destroy their life and through them destroy the marriage, destroy the family. If we give them opportunity. How about that? No wonder the Bible says, better get under covering because of the angels. You can't hide from the angels. You can't hide from the spirit world. You're fooling yourself, think you can you can't hide from God either. God can see your condition. He says, what you sow, you'll reap. So in other words, he's, now, you know why he's so certain that that'll happen? Because he set a law down. 
that if you step outside the law, you're exposed. You'll reap some consequences. Now, does that mean God doesn't love you? No, it doesn't mean that at all. He loves you. He's a holy God too. He's a righteous God. And there are consequences for walking in ungodliness. You understand that? There are consequences. That means bring your life into divine order. Why? Because you position yourself to get blessed. God says, I want to bless you. But he says, I'm also a holy God, and I've got to make sure this deal works right, doesn't see, go out of control. So I'll set down the laws, I'll set down the principles, I'll set down the guidelines, and if my people will walk in my ways, then I will bless them and heal their land. Hello? But if they step out of my ways, all the calling on the name of Jesus won't do you any good. You've got to get to repentance. He says, I've exalted my word above my name. So you can call on the name of Jesus, but if you don't do it out of a repentant heart, you won't get the breakthrough. Does it make sense? This is, this is wonderful. This means if I can let God teach me. I say, well, I'm not very good at learning. He says, I've given you the Holy Spirit to teach you. You know it in your heart. And if your heart says, don't go there, don't go there. This principle of covering is so important. Now, I understand this because I moved in this realm. People don't move in the realm, they don't understand it. We've moved in this realm for years. And I know that if we get out of line or my children move out of the covering, they get hit. And if I get engaged in warfare, the devil will come and assault. And I've got to know my positioning, otherwise we get hit bad. Runs of accidents and all kinds of manners of problems and things. Hey, you've got to know your spiritual positioning. All very thing, great to think you take the world, but, it, but God wants you to stand up and learn how to bring our lives into order, into God's order. Wives in proper relationship with a husband, husbands in proper relationship, taking up the responsibility God's given you, which is to protect everyone in your family. Your family's demonized. Probably the major reason is you did not protect them. Now we've got to understand, that's how it is. And coming to church on Sunday won't do it. This is a lifestyle of the man being the head, the leader taking responsibility in his home. He must do it. He must do it. And the failure to do that, uh, because men, and, and, and I don't want to be too hard on men, I'm just trying to push on you for your responsibility. The reality is, that over the last two decades, all of society has bombarded the whole idea and concept of men being the head of the home and torn the thing to shreds. So men today are confused. They don't know where they stand or what they do. But this is truth. This is going to help you to stand up on the inside and position yourself. I questioned for years why it was people go to marriage seminars and their marriages never change much. And I asked the Lord one day, he's told me. I thought, that makes sense to me. He says, because they never deal with the spirit powers that have already encroached into their marriage and into their personal lives. If you get them to deal with that, then all the other stuff will work properly. So I went around the country for about three years. I went into cities and we did massive uh, campaigns for men. Now here's an interesting thing. We did ma I'll tell you what the name of the campaign was in a little while. And we went around there. We were crusading to get men to stand up. I went around preaching about witchcraft, unlawful authority, which gets established in a marriage whenever a man gives up his responsibility and becomes passive. And I showed men how to stand up and take that responsibility back and how to stand in prayer and fight. And I tell you something, we had 
I had reports from all over the country, people who were set free because they began to contend with one of the prevailing spirits over our nation, the spirit of witchcraft, which makes men weak, effeminate, passive, irresponsible. They, they hide behind their wives. They allow, like Ahab, they allow their wife to run the whole show. It's a spirit power. If you found it was hard to stand up, it's because you're dealing with a spirit power. And if you don't use spirit weapons, you can't defeat it. You've got to get free in your own life of the grounds it has to stay there and then begin to war and push that thing out of the way. And we ha I had all kinds of demonic attacks and problems, all kinds and manners of things. But man, we had some mighty breakthroughs and man, those tapes are still circulating. You know what we call, you know, we stopped those conferences after a while. We call them the Heroes Conference. But when you hear the word heroes, you think of the gay parade up in Auckland. But we had that name and we're using it around the nation and then suddenly, you know, it was just as we were about to enter Auckland. That was our next place to go for a heroes convention. And we built up a rapport around the place. Next thing we know, the first gay parade called Heroes Parade. What a misrepresentation of what a hero is. What a total bizarre distortion. Not heroes, but it's perverted. It's against what God's order is. It's trying to say that uh, the two men enter into a relationship. It's trying to make, it's the same thing that's destroyed men being the leaders of their homes. The same spirit. And when you come against it, you get angry reactions, believe me. Not just a disagreement, you get hostile reactions. Hostile reactions when you declare the word of God is very clear that God made Adam and me, Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> very clear. Man, oh man. Okay, let's move away from there. So, now, so demonic spirits can see a person's condition and they cooperate to bring them into bondage. Now, I don't want you to be condemned. If God opens your eyes and you become uncomfortable, ask God to show you what your next step is. Don't react. Let the Word of God help you break through. And so the Bible tells us very clearly that a man can give up authority in his life. God has given you authority and responsibility with man, woman, and child. You can yield that up to God and His authority increases in your life. You can give it up to the devil and establish agreements and His authority is increased in your life. You have the choice which way you go. When you give your life to Christ and establish allegiance to Christ, and obedience. His authority is increased. His power flow increases in your life. Whenever a man lines himself with the will and word of God, all the heaven's power stands behind him. Yeah. But when you align yourself, see a lot of men have got involved in the Masonic Lodge and they've opened the doorway for demons to come. Or they've got involved in various kinds of things and they've created a legal ground. Now here's the, here's the, the last thing about the spirit world I want to tell you about. Uh, there's lots of other things, of course, but this is the other important thing, is that when a person in leadership yields to demonic powers, everyone under his leadership gets hit. It's like having an umbrella full of holes. And standing under it, everyone gets wet. They all complain, why do I get wet? Because there's holes in the umbrella. When a man yields his life to demons. Now, in Luke 4, 6, the devil came to Jesus and said, all these power of these kingdoms I'll give to you if you worship me. And he said, because they have been delivered to me. And that word delivered means this, to yield up, to hand over, to betray. That's what it means. It's actually the word betray. All this has been betrayed 
by Adam to me. When a man, when Adam disobeyed God, he came into agreement with the devil, he betrayed his wife. He betrayed all the generations that came after him and he handed authority over the devil who's been beating on humanity ever since. Jesus Christ came into the earth. He was the last Adam. He did what Adam didn't do. He obeyed the Father even to the point of death. Wherefore, he has now authority over all demons and he's exalted to the highest possible place, the place God always intended for man, right next to God, sitting in the throne, ruling over all that God has created. That's what God intended for us. When you come into alignment with Jesus Christ, you then, as you submit and give allegiance to Him and obey His words out of a heart of faith, you are empowered to have dominion over demons. So few Christians do. They just huff and puff and nothing happens. Demons don't take any notice of them. Quite distressing, really. And however, we can learn and make it a lot different than that. Now, this is one of the worst things. In Exodus 20 and verse 4 through to 6, it tells us that when a man opens the doorway for demons, they can go from generation to generation. To... If he'll do it, he can stop this whole show dead in its tracks. Stand up and take dominion over these kind of things. Now, the Bible makes... I want you to look with me. I'm just about finished. Ephesians chapter 5. Well, I've got heaps more I could tell you, but I'll just give you a little more. I want to get to this verse here particularly. Now I want to just put a couple of practical keys on it for you. Ephesians chapter 5. Submitting yourself to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto the husbands as unto the Lord. Now we're not going to go there too much. You can read it. It's just what it says. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. That's what I want to look at. The husband is the head of the wife as. Now that word means like this. It means something like this. It's, in the original language, it's stronger than just as. It means this.
other words, he says, the husband is the head of the wife, and that's exactly the same thing as what follows, which is Christ, the head of the church, and the saviour of the body. So, you've got to understand this, that if you relate to Christ with respect and honour and reverence and you follow his direction for your life, that's the same deal with your husband. That's how it should be. That's what God intended. Now, it says that Jesus is the saviour of the body. Look what that word saviour means. It means literally this. It means to deliver, to protect, or to make safe. What? So, a husband's role he must deliver his wife and family from demonic powers. He must protect them from demonic attacks and he must make it safe for them in the relationship in the family. How about that? He can't save his family from their sins, but he can fulfill those meanings of the word saviour, to protect, to make safe or to deliver. Now, a lot of, because one of the basic needs a woman have is to feel secure. So the husband is given the role, make her feel safe under your leadership by loving her. I'll give you a few things a man can do to help this thing happen because we've got to get some practical things on it in a moment. But I just want to just take a little bit of this. Just bear with me just for a moment. So, so then the Bible says, now the wife be subject to her husband or place herself under his leadership so as a unit you can flow together and fulfill what God has called you to do together. What an amazing thing. Now, if the husband loves and serves his wife, that's not a big deal. If the husband doesn't do it the way God said, it becomes hard for her. She reacts to him. She pulls herself away from being committed to him and under his authority and leadership. She becomes exposed to demonic attack, has all kinds of problems mentally and emotionally, and so she reacts even more at him, more resentful because of his lacks and failures. He sees it and reacts against her, not realizing he's in charge. Do something! Adam stood by and allowed his wife to be deceived by the enemy. God held him responsible for that thing that was going on in there. And same he does with the men in the home. So the man is given the task of protecting his home and those who are more vulnerable than he is. Because he's the head. You know what it means, man? You are to be the covering for the home. Now each person in the home must get their own relationship with Christ, but you are to provide a spiritual covering over the home that makes it safe, it protects them and defends them when there's demonic attacks. How does a guy do that? Let me just finish with these, just some practical keys. Then I'm going to ask a question of men. I want to ask you to do something. just want to ask you to be willing to do one little thing. You know it be too hard, one little thing? You better believe it won't be easy. <laughs> okay, here it is. So how do you do it? Now, this is how a husband or a man gives spiritual protection. Now, if the men properly protected their marriages and families, they would be in a good place to offer that protection to some of the single parents and some of the young singles who come from broken families. In fact, if men in the church would just arise and do what God says to do, you'd be amazed the peace that would come into the church and into families. Do you realize that? you realize how much would... You know something? The men in this church ought to protect the sisters, the woman, from any scumbag man who comes into the church who wants to take advantage of them and get them in bed. The guys ought to stand up and say, listen, it's one of our sisters. You don't treat them like that. You treat them like that. You're out. Yeah. You understand? You gotta, that's what the man's role is to do. Makes the church safe for the woman. Instead, you get these guys coming in. Now, they come in. They've got problems in the world. But what we really want is get them to repent, is get their life cleaned up. And so the men, you talk talking to them. You see someone and he conning some girl up in the corner, go talk to him. Say, listen, 
We look after the girls here. We don't believe in all this messing around like they do in the world. This is a safe place. The men have got to do it. If you don't do it, you've got girls coming to the church, they get upset because the very place that they should be protected is just treated the same as they are in the world. Because of young men in the church got the same worldly thinking of, of getting, getting advantage of the girls and not making commitment and being responsible. You ought to get stuck into the guys. Same with the girls. You find some girl come in and she's dressed all in hot pants and short tops and starting to show eyes for the guys. Get alongside them and tell them how to walk godly. You got it. This is how the Bible calls church a family, brothers and sisters. You don't let someone come in and do that to your sister. I remember when one of our girls had some trouble with one young man. All the boys rose up and wanted to beat him up. <laughs> Part of me said, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> I almost got into a scrap outside the church down the other place there because well, this guy come into the church and he was, and I'd, I'd done a bit of background on him, and he he, he was. He was trying to get one of the girls in the church into bed with him. And he's sitting in one of my seminars. And I said, what on earth are you doing here? Come outside. So I got him outside and, uh, and I said, what are you doing here? And uh, he said, I'll come to the seminar. I said, no, you're not. And uh, he said, yes, I have. I said, I know where you're from. I said, you've got this background, all this kind of stuff. And he started to get a bit upset. And he said, oh, I've changed. I've repented. I've had a change. I said, you haven't changed one little bit. I said, two nights ago, you were trying to get one of the girls in our church into bed. Let me tell you this, you're not welcome in this place. You know you come to Miami, you stay out. Well, we were just about ready to square off then. It was good. And I was getting stirred up, I can tell you. The guys need to get stirred up. You need to get, get responsible in this area. Don't just accept it. Don't accept it. Don't accept what God forbids. God says, don't defraud one another sexually. Don't do these things. Because God is the revenger, he will deal with those things very strongly. And if you despise it, you're despising God. We've got to get our lives back in order so church becomes safe for people who are broken and damaged. They come in and they say, hey man, there's strong standards in here. Now parents, you've got to get your thinking different about dating in the family. Not encouraging the young girls to get sexual before their time and get involved dating. You've got to make those stands. You've parents, you've got to protect your family from it. A whole generation's been lost by it. We can at least stand and raise another generation of men who are different. Another generation of young women who are different. Men who know how to love and honor value women. That's what God wants to do. And I tell you, it's good. I haven't met a man yet that didn't love it when a, when a guy, a woman didn't love it when a guy honored her and valued her and treated her right and made her feel a wonderful person. Women are made to respond being loved and honored. Guys, learn how to treat the women properly. Okay, let me just give you the practical things then. We go, oh, we're getting wound up now. Well, you know we're hitting something that's really important. You know we're hitting something that's really important. And, and you've got to really realize as, we, as God begins to move to straighten the standards in this area, be a lot of people get upset about it. Say so you're too hard, too tough. No, you've been saturated with the world so much you haven't, can't see the wood from the trees. There's no reason to be dating or going steady until you're ready for it. Get on with your life. Grow up and develop your skills and talents instead of spending all your teenage years all immersed in a, an emotionally entangling, physically, sexually, uh, spiritually binding relationship and then you end up at 20 and haven't done anything you ought to be doing. So you understand? Okay, let me give you the practical keys. Number one, the man must do these things. Uh, just line up in two areas, spiritual and natural. I'll just give you, I'm not going to explain them. They're, they're. Number one, in the spiritual area, there's three things in the spiritual area a man needs to do. Number one, get a relationship with Christ. Get connected to Jesus Christ. And in that relationship, 
<laughs> you need to be connected to him and getting his direction and getting your act cleaned up. God doesn't want you to be a religious man. He wants you to be a man of the Holy Ghost. You only get the Holy Ghost. He comes in the first thing to convict you where you're going wrong. So men who aren't praying are irresponsible spiritually. They're leaving their wife vulnerable. Men ought to be the strongest prayers, strongest intercessors, should be punching at the devil. That's really the truth. Why? Because, you know, when they, have, when they have a war, they don't call up all the ladies. Let the men go stay home and look after the home because they, they call the young men. It's only recent years they've given women equal status. I believe it's completely wrong and out of God's order. It actually aborts the role God gave them. Why would a woman want to be in the front row of a, of a military engagement and exposed to everything like that? It's just bizarre. Shows how far everyone's thinking has gone away from what God intended. God intended the men to protect the women. The women have it in their heart to protect the children. So you get the men protecting the woman, protecting the children. Man who comes to safe unit. Okay, number one, the man needs to be a man of prayer. Connect to God. Get con if you're not connected, find someone who can help you. If you're not listening to God and getting some direction, find someone who can show you. But don't say, I don't know how. And don't live with it being different. Okay, so there's the first thing. Number two, uh, he needs to hold his wife and his children in his heart. You hold them in your heart with a sense I'm responsible for them so you lift them up with gratitude and value and you pray God's blessing over their life. You release and speak God's blessing. When a dad releases blessing, they are blessed. That doesn't mean mums can't, but dad has got a unique role in this area. Third thing, you need to exercise spiritual authority. Speak into the spirit world and take dominion over demon powers. Forbid them to attack your children and your wife and say, any demon, you listen to me? I come against you in Jesus' name. I stand here as the head of my home. I forbid you to attack my wife and take my children. Listen, you won't do any business, you do it with me. That's how it ought to be. Speak that way. They're very real and they do hear you. And you start speaking that way, then they'll see what you're made of. They'll push on you and mess with your mind for a day or two, see whether you really mean it or not. I can tell you. I can tell you now. I told one guy to do this. Come back a week later, I said, hey, how you going? He's still praying. He said, no, it doesn't work. I said, what happened? He said, it all got worse. My wife went crazy and I had real problems. He said, it doesn't work. I said, listen, mate, you just rolled your sleeve up and waded into the battle and got a black eye. Get back in there. Don't stop. Get going. Okay, so spiritually, he needs to do those things. Connect with God. Hold the responsibility in his heart so he's listening to God, praying for them with gratitude and thankfulness, not focusing on all their faults and failings. And he needs to speak to the spirit powers forbidding them to attack his wife and family. Now he needs to do some practical things as well. Practical. Okay, I'll just give it quick. Here they are. Number one, he needs to hold his covenant commitment. He will love his wife and family no matter what. Well, you do this and I'll do that. Well, you didn't do this. I'm not going to do this. Friend, that's not the deal. The deal is you love even as Christ loved the church and gave himself sacrificially for it. You need to hold fast in your heart your commitment to love and honor and value wife. Second thing you need to do is this. 1 Peter 3, 7, you need to listen to your wife. Here's that big word, listen. 1 Peter 3, 7, dwell with your wife with understanding. In other words, it says live together, not apart. Don't live in separate rooms. We won't go there. Live together. Live together with understanding. Now, how can you understand your wife? 
That's a good question for men. They all look, I say, I don't know. <laughs> when we started out, I thought it was a bloke with women's clothing, you know, and, and sort of women's body, but I found it's a totally different being. And there's only one way, and this is how you do it. You've got to listen to her concerns and her thinking. And don't be surprised. It'll be different to yours. She'll come from another view altogether. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's right. It's just different. So if you're going to dwell, if you're going to exercise spiritual leadership, you've got to listen. How can you leave me? You won't listen to them. Find out what they're concerned about. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to finish with that one again. I'm going to come around there in just a moment. This is where I'm going to catch you. Okay. Here's some, here's, you need to honor her. 1 Peter 3, 7. She says, honor your wife. Otherwise, this is what God says, I'll see your prayers are messed up. You won't get anywhere if you're praying. You're praying for getting finance? It won't happen. You're praying to get that and raise? It won't happen. You praise, you're praying that your workplace will really go well? It won't happen. She says, I'll see to it. Why? Because you're not honoring your wife. 1 Peter 3, 7. You read it. To honor. It means you give her value. You bestow esteem on her. You speak words of comfort and value and love and you treasure her. And you don't run ahead of her. You walk alongside her and you open the doors for her and you treat her like someone. This is an important person. Written on her. V-I-P. Some of the guys are looking. You come from another planet or something. No, this is the word of God. The problem is, if you haven't seen it and you've never done it, this is all bizarre. Get in the Word of God and say, God, teach me how to honor my wife. Begin to look at her again. See, you're looking at her through the wrong eyes. You're looking at her through the faults and the pains. Everything's wrong. Stop it. Forgive her. Let grace go in there instead of judgment. And then you begin to start to do what God says for you to do. And she will become a very beautiful woman. You see, men get a lot of their value out of what they do in their assignments in life, but women get a lot of their value out of their relationship with their man. And if you don't value them, they become depressed and full of rejection. And we're praying and casting demons out every week. Sometimes instead of casting demons out, I should find, where's the husband? You come and cast the wretched thing out. And then apologize for letting it get in there in the first place. Goodness me. Now, this is really where the rubber meets the road. This is where it really counts. Okay, here's, here's the last one. You need to give direction into your home. Give it direction. Give it direction. That means you sit out. Who's going to do what? Who's responsible for this and that? Some men, work, that's my thing. Work, home, that's all yours. No, you take some initiative and involvement. See that there's responsibility. Set some values. What do you value in your family? Set some priorities. Now, we've got some things we value and things we love to do. And we do them. And they're there because I've, I've set them in agreement with my wife. We're fully in agreement with some of these things. There's any family holidays and times together and family nights and things like that. Because you'll never build a family if you don't stand for something. Okay, and the last one is you need to preserve unity, particularly with your wife. You need to give yourself to protect the family unity. That means confront problems, sort things out on the way. Look, we've covered quite a bit. I just need to finish now. Let me just, here's one thing. This has made people uncomfortable, I can see already. I've been trying to mess with the men to get them to be men because this is a godly man, as a Christ-like man who does these things. Now here, how many men felt challenged a little by what we've said? There's a few hands gone up. Isn't that great? Okay then. Now let me say this. I wonder if you could take it the next step. One more step. We've been talking about the man's role. Protect, deliver, make it safe for his wife. Now here's the thing. I want every man here who's game enough to do it. I want you to take your wife and Give her a nice treat or something nice and then ask her this question. 
and then I want you to zip your lip for the next half an hour. <laughs> and just take down notes. You can let a little tear come in your eye, but no, no words in the mouth. Because she'll only answer this one if she feels it's safe. That you're not going to get huffy and puffy and all defensive. Okay, here it is. Here's the question you ask her. You take her out for a nice cup of coffee, a nice cup of coffee, take her somewhere nice. You sit there, look in the eyes, you say, God's been speaking to me through these teachings on authority in the home. And I just wanted to ask you this. Is there anything that causes you to feel unsafe and insecure? And she'll look at you and she'll be thinking this immediately. I wonder if I dare tell him. Can he handle it? Some will lie and say, no. Unfortunately, that'll be the truth. So men, once you have enough gumption to find out how it really is, get a reality check and give her a chance to say what really worries her. Because we're tired of counselling your wives. When you ought to be doing it. Teaching her the Word of God and loving and listening to her and praying for her. That's why so many churches are burned out. It's time men stood up, did the right thing. You game to do that? Take her out and ask her. And then just write down and take a note of the things and think through how you might start to work on them one by one to help her feel safe and secure. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we just thank you for this time together. You're teaching us and helping us. Father, I pray for every man here that's never seen true manhood model and who's struggled in this very area and feels so inadequate. Father, I pray that in the coming weeks they will begin to stand and, Lord, we will all arise to a new level of positioning in the spirit of responsibility, of warfare for our marriage and family, and of capacity to love our families and wives and be responsible. Father, I'm praying for the woman who's been hurt and damaged by irresponsible men, that you will cause a great wave of healing to flow and a new sense of safety come in the church as families and marriages begin to orient around your will and purpose. I pray for the single women here, especially those who are mothers, Lord, that you will help them stand up in their own right to take dominion and authority, to stand in the place of spiritual warfare, confident in their power that you have given to them. I pray you'll add senior men in the church who will come alongside them and say, would you like me to pray for you? Would you like me to stand with you in agreement? Can I offer you some help and advice? Father, I'm praying that men in the church would arise and they'd begin to protect the young women from lustful men intent on doing nothing but destroying young women. I ask, Lord, the young woman begin to arise, speak straight to the other young woman about the attitudes of their heart to men. And Father, I'm asking over these next months that the church would come to a whole new dimension in divine order in this area. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. I feel a tremendous sense of the presence of God, of his great compassion for people who are really hurt and broken. There'll be some women here who will desperately need some help and advice what to do. Just go over the tape and go over the teaching and ask God to show you. We've got counselors in the church who can actually sit with you and talk with you and pray with you and walk with you through some of these situations. They'll help you make your stand. Men, put into practice what we talked about. 
God will be with you all the way because he's chosen you to represent his leadership in the family. Amen? Why don't we give a little clap offering and thank him. Thank you for reminding me. Praise the Lord. God bless. Just got one last thing to do as we finish now. John is going to India. He's going to Rushi and Angie to minister to them, encourage them, give direction into the work there. I want to just pray and commission them to go forth. Believe God for the power of the Spirit to come upon him. Uh, Ian come up. David come up. John come up. Let's just reach your hand. I'm sorry we've gone a little over time today, a bit more than I thought, but this is so important that we get a grasp on these things. Amen. Hold your hands up there, John. Come on, Dave. Let's believe for the power of God to come on him. Shava. Come on, church. Reach your hands out now. Lord, we take the spirit atmosphere from over this church. Lord, the ability to plant. Lord, we put it on him now. We impart it into him, Lord. We ask that you carry, Lord, your strength, your authority, and your anointing around him, Lord. Ask God that you would give him keys and ability to plant and to build where things are awry, where they're not set in battle array, Lord, that he would speak and set them and position them, Lord, as we've heard today. Let your anointing come on him, Lord. Let that anointing to build in the spirit, to build in the spirit over the work. In Jesus' name, ask Lord that he would bring great refreshing into the hearts and minds and souls of the of the Christians there that he meets, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we just release your anointing now. Father, we release your empowering to him to do the work he's called him to. Father, we release a prophetic mantle over him to see in the spirit that which is really going on, to be able to speak to, correct, address, adjust, and alter the atmosphere over the work and to give it clear focus and clear direction. Father, we commission him to go forth to represent us in India as he goes into this church that's been planted. Hallelujah. Father, we lay hands on him right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, come upon him now. Mightily in Jesus' name. Mantle of God on his life. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
Ignorance leads to tremendous loss. And uh, so as I share today, I want to uh, be sensitive just to what will emerge in people's lives as I share. Some of you may be very happy. Some of you may be very mad. Some of you may be quite sad. Uh, whatever it is, I want you just to let God work into your heart faith to believe what I'm going to share with you now. And uh, over the last few weeks, I've been speaking about uh, authority, God's order. And particularly, we've been looking at this whole issue of authority as it relates to the home. And I'm aware, of course, that there are some who are single, and uh, there are some who are single parents. Uh, there are some who are divorced. There are people in a whole range of situations. What we need to understand is that over the last 30 years, there has been a tremendous uh, uh, um, push into the community of teachings and philosophies that undermine confidence in the Word of God. Around about the 60s, there came the emergence of the feminist movement, and they had a lot of cause to want to stand up and speak. And much of their cause was uh, justified in that there had been tremendous uh, abuse and misuse of women. However, what they attempted to do was to change an order that God has set in place. And we have to understand that while God treats everyone as being equal before Him. The Bible tells us in Galatians 3, it says, we are all one in Christ. It tells us that there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. In other words, racial distinctions or gender distinctions do not count in the eyes of God when it comes to receiving Christ as your Savior, when it comes to receiving God's favor and blessing, when it comes to receiving faith to operate in the gifts. We are all on the same uh, basis in that area. However, God makes it very clear that people have different roles. You understand that people can be equal but have a different role and function. The movement that's taken place as a result of uh, humanist philosophies through the Teachers College in our society has been one to promote equality and rights. Whereas the Bible does not promote equality, it says that people are equal before God but they have different roles and responsibilities that must be recognized. So the Bible very much teaches concerning the roles we have and the responsibilities that go with that. And over the last uh, three decades, there has been an erosion of biblical standards and ways of thinking that has come into every part of society. And so as we teach in the areas of the Word of God, you have to understand this. What I'm teaching is directly contrary to the flow of what's happening in society that as you embrace this teaching, it will upset and disturb people around you who understand that you think and act this way. I was talking to one young man, and uh, he said that even now, two years after he got married, his people at work are still manifesting over his wife vowing that she would submit to his leadership in marriage. You understand that a spirit of rebellion and lawlessness, an antichrist spirit that opposes what is godly, is at work, and under the guise of firstly men and women being equal, then it goes on and it begins to start to promote this equality teaching all the way through demanding rights, demanding equality, whereas the Bible's perspective is responsibilities and roles. So we do not have the same roles. We do not have the same responsibilities. God causes us to be quite distinct in these areas. And so you have, the, first of all, the women's rights, then it comes to uh, gay rights, then it comes to kids' rights, animals' rights, the rights of the trees, the land rights. It actually just goes beyond all sense. 
And underneath it, what you've got to understand is the spiritual power working to erode our confidence in the Word of God so we doubt, like the devil came to Eve and said, Hath God said this? Now, many of you will be in the position, Hath God really said this? And so as I share and speak, it will certainly upheave and upset some things. I can't deal with it all in one meeting, but one of the things that's interesting in our society is this, is that people take the exception and then they build a case for the whole thing on the exception. And so you find, for example, there'll be large numbers of parents who will be correctly uh, using corporal punishment in their homes. They use it sparingly. They use it in the right attitude and spirit. But there'll be some who are abusing their children. And so people take the situation of abuse and then make it a rule that covers all and it takes away even the rights of those who are actually walking in the way that God has told us to walk. So you find all over society rules and laws are being bent so that the exception then sets what the whole rule will be. Now we've got to, in trying to put things right, you've got to go to how God set it in place the first time. As I talk, I can't address in one session all of the issues that will arise out of this. All I could say is, if God is speaking to you, listen to what He is saying and let Him adjust your heart and your attitude. Ask Him for wisdom to know what to do. There will be many situations I can't address, but I'm trying to lay the principles. Because if you get the principles, you can then let God show you how you apply it to your specific situation in your specific area. Do not get legal about it, but ask God to show you as you hear His Word, how to respond to His Word in your life. And that's, that's the way to do this. Now, uh, we, we will find, as we're speaking this here, one of the reasons God is talking on these issues of authority is because over the last uh, three or four decades, there has been a restoration in the church of various areas of ministry. There was the restoration of evangelists uh, around about the 48 through to 50s. There was the restoration uh, of healing ministries. There was the restoration of pastoral ministries, of teaching ministries. In the 90s, there came an emphasis in the church of prophetic ministries. So all over, there's prophetic conferences for this and that, and there's an awareness that God is wanting to restore the prophetic gift and office into the church. But now, as we enter the 2000s and this decade, God is speaking worldwide about the restoration of apostolic ministries in the church. And uh, so... Because of that, there will be changes take place that we will need to understand. And one of the things the apostles are interested in doing is establishing the foundations right and getting the order right. So in the next decade, you will find an increasing uh, awareness of God's order, of how God wants things set in place, and you'll find the church will go through changes in how it's operating and organized. This is because God is calling to be this way. He is restoring these giftings in their authority, their office, and in their direction into the church. And uh, so with, those, uh, with the apostle, there will come measures of anointing that will cause disruptions in the spirit atmosphere. And they will cause exposure of demonic powers. Everywhere you see the apostles ministering, there was great exposure of the works of darkness, and there was an ordering and a setting into place in a way that the church could properly be built. And so God is doing that in this decade. Now, one of the areas you and I need to understand is the area of authority and how authority works. 
mostly because of the abuse of authority, and that's all we ever hear out. You hear about the misuse or abuse of authority and the reactions that come with that. All over the world, that's being very, very clear. However, you can't look at the exceptions or the misuse and build a way of thinking and relating on that. You must go to the Word of God. What did God say? How does this apply to me? What must I do in my life to adjust to what God is saying? Does that make sense? So as we begin to speak into these areas, this important teaching concerning spiritual authority, I could speak for weeks and weeks on it because it covers every aspect of how we live and move and operate in the Spirit. One of the things that God has uh, uh, helped me to understand is because of an involvement in deliverance ministry, I've had the privilege of seeing things happen that most people have not seen. And because of that, I've come to understand how some things operate in the Spirit world that people generally do not understand. Because they don't understand, they uh, find themselves uh, positioning themselves in a way that God can't bless them. So over these next months, we want to be touching and we'll keep the issue of authority in mind as we address various areas of how we walk with God. We're, at the moment, we're looking at the area of the man and his headship in the home. And I've been pushing it for a few weeks for this reason. One, that most of the problems that you can trace in our society directly come back to the loss of men fulfilling the proper role God gave them and designed for them. The second one is because there is tremendous brokenness and damage in the lives of people and misunderstandings about this area. And thirdly, because as a result of this, demonic powers have set themselves into marriages and family situations, creating havoc and destruction and they're able to continue to do so because men do not understand their role or understand the authority God's given them nor know how to use it properly. And uh, I want to touch particularly on that today. Finally, the final reason I want to keep pushing on it is this. My observation, and I'm not condemning in any kind of way, my observation over, after preaching on this area for about three weeks is that there is a general unresponsiveness in men. That no matter what I'm saying, it's not bringing change. Now, there's only two things that can be the cause of that. One is a real need for deep repentance and an understanding of the truth and a turning of the heart. And two, that demonic powers are holding men in bondage so that they are unable to see, grasp, and arise in this truth. The third is it needs models of how to do it. Now, Women, I encourage you to be patient as I speak into this area because if you get it right at the head, it comes right everywhere. And I'm not in any way saying that women are not of value. What I'm trying to do is to get God's order into place. And the problems many of the women here have today are because men fail to function properly and continue to fail. And God is wanting to address that and alter the dynamics in marriages and families and also alter the dynamics of how church operates in order that the church can be a safer place and that there be an increasing apostolic authority over the church. Does that make sense? If the church is going to exercise authority, men who are appointed by God as heads of their home must stand up and fulfill the responsibility God has given them. And the woman must encourage them and stand behind them and give a loud shout every time another one stands up. You understand that? Because the pressure will come off you. Let me say this. If the man fails in this area, the weight does come on the woman and God has not designed you to take it. And so what happens is 
you are stressed and pressured and taking pills and tablets and having nightmares because men aren't doing what they ought to do. And I believe God wants to bring a significant adjustment in the church, not only here, but in other places, so that we can get this breakthrough. Now, uh, just before I get on to preaching the message, I want to share another thing. Some years ago, I gathered the church into spiritual warfare. We began to uh, teach on how to address spirit powers and what to do in the spirit. Now, we had tremendous results. You could literally predict the kinds of miracles we would have on Sundays as a result of that. But an unusual thing happened. I found within the space of three months, I had major uh, breakdowns in marriages and families occurring. And I, I asked the Lord about it. And he told me a very simple thing. He said, Ephesians 5 comes before Ephesians 6. You think, well, that's pretty simple. But it's very, very deep. Ephesians 5 has to do with right order in relationships, or as we see it, positioning yourself in battle array so you can win. Ephesians 6 has to do with the battle. But if we don't position ourselves in a winning position, we can't win the battle. So the only way the church is going to be able to ever bring revival into a region is if it takes seriously what Jesus says about order in relationships. That is, husband and wife, parents and children, bosses and workers, leaders and followers. God addresses each one specifically in Ephesians 5 and through into 6 so that we can launch into spiritual warfare and be safe. And I, I get tired of having a lot of casualties because casualties take a lot of time to repair. You don't need to be a casualty. You can be a victorious soldier. That is God's plan for you. But if you're going to do it, you've got to abide by the rules of engagement. And so I want to go into the Word of God again and I want to push again on the husband's role. I'm going to start off by looking at why God says for a wife to be in submission to a husband. Now, we're not going to go into all the hows of that. I know the men were starting to get excited by that teaching, but no, we're not going to go there. I just want to actually today address the area of understanding, and I want to call this message because of the angels. And I want to give you insight to the spirit realm that I've learned after ministering a deliverance that will help you see why it is important, whether you're a man, a woman, or a child, that you get yourself under the covering God has ordained for your life so you can be a winner in the spiritual conflict. Does that make sense? Okay then, well let's go to Ephesians uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and pick it up there. Verse 3, I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So the head, the one person that is not designated head is the woman. Did you notice that? God is the head of Christ, Christ is the head of the man, the man is the head of the woman. And the woman is not the head of anything. But yet, many women are burdened because they are occupying that role. And they're occupying that role because men fail to do what God's here to do. So we've got to get this into perspective. Now, of course, there'll be situations in single-parent families where the woman, because there is no man there, is the head of that family unit, spiritual head of that family unit. However, she's wise, she'll find a mature Christian man who can stand in agreement with her and provide a measure of spiritual covering for her. If a woman is single, normally she's under the headship covering of her father. That is why the father takes his daughter down the aisle, because his daughter is under his covering. Most women today have left home, gone here, done this and done that, 
and they live a life outside that protection and covering. Therefore, they have many problems come with it. We won't go there. We just stick with what the Bible says in this area. As I say, there's a lot of sidetracks I could take, but I'll just throw them out to you, and if it pricks you, well, then ask God to show what he wants to say. So the head. Now, the head is a role of leadership. Your head directs your body. If your body operates without the direction of your head, you are generally considered worthy of being locked up somewhere or given medical attention to sedate you. In other words, your head should direct where the rest of your body goes. And so the head is a positional role of leadership and authority that God has designated to the man. Now, we don't have to pray it into being. God just said it. This is how it is. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of the woman. Now, what you understand is the head means a role of leadership and authority, spiritual authority. It is a positioning of authority. It carries weight in the spirit world that the spirit world recognizes. And when a man stands up in it, he can accomplish more in his brain than his wife can if he exercises the authority of the office God's given him. Okay then, now, it, the Bible tells us very clearly that authority is, uh, is, does not mean that he has greater value. doesn't mean that at all. Both the husband and the wife are of equal value. But what it does mean is this, that the husband in the relationship has a particular role of greater responsibility. And generally it goes like this. The one with the greater authority is required before God to protect those of lesser authority. So if God has designated the man to be the head of his wife and his family, then he is responsible to protect all who are under him. If the man fails to protect his wife and his children spiritually, then they will come under demonic attack and all kinds of problems will enter into the family. So the man has an, a, a, a responsibility to use his authority in order to protect his family, his wife in particularly. And the authority is just literally how God organized the roles so the family could function as a unit. So God has got a, a father, husband and a wife and children and God says this is how it will operate. The husband will be the head. He will give the leadership and carry the greater responsibility, greater authority. His wife will be a partner, a co-heir with him, under his authority, and a partner with him. And together, they will have authority over their children. And as the children abide under the authority of their parents, and the wife under the authority of a husband, and the husband under the authority of Christ, they have great spiritual influence and can minister and release the power and blessing of God. That's how God set it up. So... The man is the head, very clearly, and the woman is designed to be his help. In other words, God, set, God put the man first on the earth and gave him a commission and a job and then created the woman to come alongside him and help him fulfill the destiny that God had given him. So when a woman marries a man, you marry into the destiny of that man. You come in under his authority and leadership. So you better check out. You've got a good one and not let insecurity and some other kind of goofy reason get you involved. And if those around you, including your father, say this isn't the right one, you had better listen. You are about to become a partner in someone's destiny, a helper provided by God to help him fulfill his God-given call. But if you're a man here, you better stand up and find out what your God-given call is so that when a woman comes along, you're able to give her leadership and direction and know where you're going. 
instead of hanging around waiting for something to happen. Now I want you to see on now it goes, verse 9, it says, uh, for the, uh, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman was made for the man. That's what it is. So now it says, for this cause, because the woman was created for the man, it says, for this reason, then the woman ought to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man and the Lord. In other words, it's saying in verse 11, there are teen. But in verse 10, it says, now the woman ought to, or is, that word ought means is obliged to, is indebted to, needs to, or it is of great benefit to her if she does this thing. And it says she ought to have a power on her head because of the angels. Now we need to, what an unusual thing to say. Now, of course, in some churches, uh, the women wear hats. And so they sit there with their hats, and others have little things that sit on their head, and they sit there, and uh, they think as they're fulfilling the biblical directive, having their head covered. And naturally, they may well be, but the heart could be full of all kinds of rebellion, resentment, and all kinds of other things. This is primarily not to do about whether you wear a hat or not wear a hat. It's about being positioned in a place where you are covered or under authority so you can be victorious in battle. So it says the woman ought to have her head covered, uh, a, a power over her head, because of the angels. That word power is literally this. It's the word meaning a delegated authority. The woman ought to have a person of delegated authority, someone with legal right to stand in that role, ought to be over her. Why? Because of the angels? What on earth could that mean? Yet that term, because of the angels, is full of spiritual significance. And not only spiritual significance, practical significance, as you'll see in a moment. Now, when he says because of the angels, there are two kinds of angels he could be referring to. Those angels who come from God to fulfill God's bidding, and they are able to operate where God's order is being established, and demonic spirits or demonic angels or fallen angels under the governorship or leadership of Satan who operate where God's order is violated. So it says you ought to position yourself in a place where you're under spiritual protection because there is a whole spirit realm out there and either blessings or assaults are launched upon you depending on how you position yourself. We're going to have a look at how you can position. There's only one of two options you have in positioning yourself. And they have to do with your heart attitude. Now, the word the Bible uses is the word submit. Terrible word. People don't like it, full of emotion, but you, it's because they don't understand it. Now, submit and obey are two completely different terms. Submit is the word in the original language, hupo tasso. Tasso is to position yourself in battle array or arrange yourself in the rightful position you ought to be. Hupo means under. So putting it together, it means this. You position yourself under the authority God has delegated over you so you can be in battle array and fulfill what God has called you to do. And there are only two positions you can take. Under, hupo, and anti, against. There's no in-between ground. In these issues, you are either in your right place or you're out of your right place. You have positioned yourself. God will not position you. He just tells you how it's to be ordered. You position yourself there or you position yourself against it. 
There's no in-between ground. Can we understand that? No in-between ground. It's either we're, we're positioning ourselves so God can bless us and protect us and we can flow with authority and power or we position ourselves against it where Satan has legal rights of access to our life. Does it make sense? Okay, I know where I want to be positioned. Anyone who, I tell you, anyone who has a revelation of the kingdom of God and the authority structure in it wants to be protected. You just want to be in the right place. You don't want to ever find yourself out there as a rebel and demons have free access to your life to bring all kinds of havoc and torment. So it says here, because of the angels. Now, it says that the woman needs to position herself because of the spirit world. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the spirit realm. Why don't you have a look with me in Psalm 8? Now, let me move along. Psalm 8. And 4, 5, and 6, just three verses there. Now, I have found some interesting things in deliverance work that no one, a lot of people don't understand. It's quite interesting. I'll share them with you in just a moment. But let me just, I want to share with you something here about the order in the spiritual world. Now, sharing this, I'm not going to go into a lot of Bible study on it because I want to get to the real issue, which is the man occupying the place of spiritual gatekeeper. However, let's just touch on some things here. It says here, what is man, verse 4, that you are mindful of him? In other words, how, how come you think about man all the time? So, and son of man that you visit for you have made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor and you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands you have put all things under man's feet all sheep and oxen even the beasts of the field now God is a God of order and so there is order in the universe God has created rules that govern the natural world and the spiritual world everyone abides by them now, one of the most important rules is the rules which govern authority relationships. And we'll see in a moment. The devil is required to submit to God's rules. He just can't run around doing what he wants. He actually has to obey what God has set down. Now, all, everything that God has created, he's ordered in ranks of authority. They're just not lots of people all over the place. So, for example, the angels of God. I won't go into the scriptures on it, but the angels of God are ordered in a hierarchy. The Bible describes at least two of them by name. The top ones are the archangel, and it tells us Michael, responsible for Israel, and Gabriel, who visited the earth at one point there, announcing the birth of Jesus. Archangels. There are cherubim and seraphim around the throne of God, and then there are various levels of angels. In the demonic kingdom, the Bible tells us there's Satan, an archangel. Then there are, in Ephesians 6, around about verse 12, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly or the spirit realm. In other words, ordinary demons, uh, high, occult demons, and then lower level demons. So that's structured. It's like an army in battle array. So you have an army on one side in battle array, an army on the other side in battle array, and both are required to submit to the terms that God has laid down. That's extraordinary. Because God has chosen man out of all his creation. Now man also has to submit to the rules God set out. So God has set rules of authority governing the government, uh, governing home, governing workplace, and governing the church. There are set things God has set down. And so one of the most important things you can do is find where you are in the order of things and then you are empowered to bless all those below you. Does that make sense? To be a, a greater authority is to have greater responsibility. That means you're a greater servant. That's why Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, it's not about bossing people around. It's actually, those are all the people you serve. 
So you want to climb up the ladder? No way. You're going down. You've got a heap of people more to serve. And you've got to lay your life down for them. That's what Jesus said. Matthew uh, 20 and uh, verse about 24 to 28, he said, In the world they will boss over one another, but in the kingdom of God it's not like that. You become the servant of more. So if you want to be great, get to serve a lot more people. That's how you get to be great in the kingdom of God. And the more God's going, but before you start doing that, make sure you're doing what you've been given now. Be responsible for what you've been given now and fulfill that. So uh, now the Bible makes it very clear that uh, human beings shall judge angels. So we need to understand that God has positioned us only a little lower than him. We are made in the image of God and our destiny is that we will govern all of God's creation. How about that? We will rule over angels, but it's not quite like that at the moment. So when a person is outside of Christ, he has no authority in the spirit world at all. He is under the dominion of darkness. When a person gets saved, he comes out of the kingdom of darkness by acknowledging allegiance to Jesus Christ. Now he enters a new realm and out of his relationship with Christ, he can be positioned to have dominion over demons and over spiritual forces to release blessing and to protect. So here's some of the, this, some of the guidelines that operate it. Number one, Satan as a created being must abide by God's guidelines. He can't just do what he wants. He's confined to work in darkness outside the law of God. That's where he's confined to. He can only get into your life if he deceives you and you don't believe the word of God. You've got to find a way in. And we'll see how he does that in a moment. Uh, now, God has created laws that govern the natural world and the spiritual world and he upholds them. The greatest laws, of course, are concerning authority. Now, you have one of two positions you can take in relationship to spiritual authority. You either position yourself under it as you recognize it or you resist it. One of two. Very, very simple. If you position yourself under it, it tells us in Romans 13, verse 1 and 2, then we are able, of course, to actually flow with God and be blessed and protected by those God's placed over us. But if we resist it, then we receive into ourselves the consequences of that. And we'll see what those are. Now, one of the things that we need to understand is that the spirit world recognizes all authority relationships. So, the spirit world recognizes the authority of a husband. Now, I had a situation that vividly pointed this out. I had a deliverance situation where there was a woman who'd been involved in the occult, and what had happened was she had been uh, intentionally involved and through a number of perversions had entered into marriage, unlawful marriage relationship with a demon power through uh, a variety. I won't go into the details of how it all happened, but it happened. And so years later, she's in terrible bondage and there's a problem in their marriage. So I got the husband to stand up as the head of the home and I showed him how to pray. And as he began to pray, this situation had been covered for 30 years, exposed itself. Then uh, when I tried to minister to her, she didn't want the husband to be there. And I just allowed it to be for a little while and I didn't feel quite right about it. And we got to a certain point when this demon was exposed and was manifesting and I couldn't get it out. It was very hard to get it out. It was, just, it was resistant. And I don't carry on. I, I've, I've learned that if it won't come out, it's got a ground to stay there. And if it's got a ground to stay there, you've got to get rid of the legal ground. That's why it's not a matter of being delivered. You've got to walk in holiness. You've got to walk with God. Otherwise, demons come back again. Okay, so what happened was, I got the husband. I said, now listen, your wife doesn't seem to want you here, but I'm going to get you to come anyway. I'm the, the pastor and you're the head that God has appointed over her. I want you to be there. So we're going to direct it. So I said, get in the next room and pray in tongues. And when I call you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to walk straight in behind me. I want you to come over. I want you to lay your hands on your wife's head. And I want you to speak very strongly and clearly to the demon in her and say, as her lawful husband and the head of this marriage, I take authority over this unlawful marriage and break it. And I command the demon afflicting my wife to go. 
And so I said, now just do it when I tell you. So we got praying, and the woman uh, manifested. I had another woman with me, and I told her, now just you keep praying for her and keep that thing manifesting up near the surface for me, and I'll be back in a minute. So she was, she was lying on her face with her feet to the door and her face away from the door, face down. So she couldn't see what was going on. Now, I went out the door, got the husband, came back. Now, as we walked through the door, and the woman, she can't even see what's going on, the demon yelled out. This is what he yelled out. What's he doing here? I thought, oh, I like that. I said, you'll find out in a moment. And he went straight over and he laid hands on her. He stood in his office as the head of the home, took dominion over the demon, unlawfully connected to his wife, and I laid hands on top of him as the pastor. Immediately it went out, just like that. And I learned something that day. I learned that in the spirit world, this thing counts. And if it counts that much, then there's a big problem if men don't stand up. Big problem. Because they recognize it. Now, let me tell you something else. Demons can discern the condition of a person whether they have grounds to access them or not. Now, you might think you're smart and you can hide from me and from everyone around you, but you can't keep hidden from the spirit world your heart condition. And if you, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 27, do not give a legal ground or a foothold for the devil to access your life. Don't do it. Now, wouldn't tell us that if it wasn't possible. And it's in the context of people being angry with one another. Wow. He's got some things to say about anger and how it unleashes demonic forces against the person you're angry against. And verse, in Matthew chapter 5, you can read that some other time. We don't go there. All right, and so he says, uh, don't give place or position. So we've got to understand then, uh, I want you to have a look with me quickly in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43 through to 45. I want to show you a verse that makes it very clear demons can discern when a person is open for them to come in. In other words, if you've created the right opportunities, they can get in. Verse 43, when the unclean spirit's gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and doesn't find any. The demons are looking for a place. Now, they're not looking for a place to lie down. For a demon, a place of rest is a place he feels comfortable in. That's a person, especially of the sin area in the life. And he says, then he goes, he says, I will return to my house and where I came out. And when he has come, he finds it empty, swept and garnished. And he goes and he takes with himself several other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter in and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Now, this tells, I don't want to go through all of that. It's related specifically to deliverance. But let me just bring this out of that that a demon knows people. Could he go back and say, that was my house. I was there. It can come back. Okay. And if it can come back, it was there originally. It looks at the person, and this is what it can do. It can actually tell whether a person's open and exposed and vulnerable or unprotected. It can tell. Because it says, look to the house. So I'll go back in there. He says, I know what else I'll do. The demons can talk to one another. Oh. And they work together. Oh. And they can work together to come in and invade a person and destroy their life and through them destroy the marriage, destroy the family. If we give them opportunity. How about that? No wonder the Bible says, better get under covering because of the angels. You can't hide from the angels. You can't hide from the spirit world. You're fooling yourself think you can. You can't hide from God either. God can see your condition. He says, what you sow, you'll reap. So in other words, he's, now, you know why he's so certain that that'll happen? Because he set a law down. 
if you step outside the law, you're exposed. You'll reap some consequences. Now, does that mean God doesn't love you? No, I mean that at all. He loves you. He's a holy God too. He's a righteous God. And there are consequences for walking in ungodliness. You understand that? There are consequences. That means bring your life into divine order. Why? Because you position yourself to get blessed. God says, I want to bless you. But he says, I'm also a holy God, and I've got to make sure this deal works right, doesn't see, go out of control. So I'll set down the laws, I'll set down the principles, I'll set down the guidelines, and if my people will walk in my ways, then I will bless them and heal their land. Hello? But if they step out of my ways, all the calling on the name of Jesus won't do you any good. You've got to get to repentance. He says, I've exalted my word above my name. So you can call on the name of Jesus, but if you don't do it out of a repentant heart, you won't get the breakthrough. Does it make sense? This is, this is wonderful. This means if I can let God teach me. I say, well, I'm not very good at learning. He says, I've given you the Holy Spirit to teach you. You know it in your heart. And if your heart says, don't go there, don't go there. This principle of covering is so important. Now, I understand this because I moved in this realm. People don't move in the realm, they don't understand it. We've moved in this realm for years. And I know that if we get out of line or my children move out of the covering, they get hit. Right. And if I get engaged in warfare, the devil will come and assault. And I've got to know my positioning, otherwise we get hit bad. Runs of accidents and all kinds of manners of problems and things. Hey, you've got to know your spiritual positioning. All very think, great to think you take the world, but, it, but God wants you to stand up and learn how to bring our lives into order, into God's order. Wives in proper relationship with a husband, husbands in proper relationship, taking up the responsibility God's given you, which is to protect everyone in your family. Your family's demonized. Probably the major reason is you did not protect them. Now we've got to understand, that's how it is. And coming to church on Sunday won't do it. This is a lifestyle of the man being the head, the leader taking responsibility in his heart. He must do it. He must do it. And the failure to do that, uh, because men, and, and, and I don't want to be too hard on men, I'm just trying to push on you for your responsibility. The reality is, over the last two decades, all of society has bombarded the whole idea and concept of men being the head of the home and torn the thing to shreds. So men today are confused. They don't know where they stand or what they do. But this is truth. This is going to help you to stand up on the inside and position yourself. I questioned for years why it was people go to marriage seminars and their marriages never change much. And I asked the Lord one day, he's told me. I thought, that makes sense to me. He says, because they never deal with the spirit powers that have already encroached into their marriage and into their personal lives. If you get them to deal with that, then all the other stuff will work properly. So I went around the country for about three years. I went into cities and we did massive uh, campaigns for men. Now here's an interesting thing. We did I'll tell you what the name of the campaign was in a little while. And we went around there. We were crusading to get men to stand up. I went around preaching about witchcraft, unlawful authority, which gets established in a marriage whenever a man gives up his responsibility and becomes passive. And I showed men how to stand up and take that responsibility back and how to stand in prayer and fight. And I tell you something, we had 
I had reports from all over the country, people who were set free because they began to contend with one of the prevailing spirits over our nation, the spirit of witchcraft, which makes men weak, effeminate, passive, irresponsible. They, they hide behind their wives. They allow, like Ahab, they allow their wife to run the whole show. It's a spirit power. If you found it was hard to stand up, it's because you're dealing with a spirit power. And if you don't use spirit weapons, you can't defeat it. You've got to get free in your own life of the grounds it has to stay there and then begin to war and push that thing out of the way. And we ha I had all kinds of demonic attacks and problems, uh, all kinds and manners of things. But man, we had some mighty breakthroughs and man, those tapes are still circulating. You know what we call, you know, we stopped those conferences after a while. We call them the Heroes Conference. But when you hear the word heroes, you think of the gay parade up in Auckland. But we had that name and we're using it around the nation and then suddenly... You know, it was just as we were about to enter Auckland. That was our next place to go for a hero's convention. And we built up a rapport around the place. Next thing we know, the first gay parade called Heroes Parade. What a misrepresentation of what a hero is. What a total bizarre distortion. Not heroes, but it's perverted it's against what God's order is. It's trying to say that uh, the two men enter into a relationship. It's trying to make, it's the same thing that's destroyed men being the leaders of their homes, the same spirit. And when you come against it, you get angry reactions, believe me. Not just a disagreement, you get hostile reactions. Hostile reactions when you declare the word of God is very clear. That God made Adam and me, Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> Very clear. Man, oh man. Okay, let's move away from there. So, now, so demonic spirits can see a person's condition and they cooperate to bring them into bondage. Now, I don't want you to be condemned. If God opens your eyes and you become uncomfortable, ask God to show you what your next step is. Don't react. Let the Word of God help you break through. And so the Bible tells us very clearly that a man can give up authority in his life. God has given you authority and responsibility with man, woman, and child. You can yield that up to God and his authority increases in your life. You can give it up to the devil and establish agreements and his authority is increased in your life. You have the choice which way you go. When you give your life to Christ and establish allegiance to Christ and obedience, his authority is increased. His power flow increases in your life. Whenever a man lines himself with the will and word of God, all the heaven's power stands behind him. Yeah. See? But when you align yourself, see a lot of men have got involved in the Masonic Lodge and they've opened the doorway for demons to come. Or they've got involved in various kinds of things and they've created a legal ground. Now here's the, here's the, the last thing about the spirit world I want to tell you about. Uh, there's lots of other things of course, but this is the other important thing. Is that when a person in leadership yields to demonic powers, everyone under his leadership gets hit. It's like having an umbrella full of holes. And standing under it, everyone gets wet. They all complain, why do I get wet? Because there's holes in the umbrella. When a man yields his life to demons. Now, in Luke 4, 6, the devil came to Jesus and said, all these power of these kingdoms I'll give to you if you worship me. And he said, because they have been delivered to me. And that word delivered means this, to yield up, to hand over, to betray. That's what it means. It's actually the word betray. All this has been betrayed 
by Adam to me. When a man, when Adam disobeyed God, he came into agreement with the devil, he betrayed his wife. He betrayed all the generations that came after him and he handed authority over the devil who's been beating on humanity ever since. Jesus Christ came into the earth. He was the last Adam. He did what Adam didn't do. He obeyed the Father even to the point of death. Wherefore, he has now authority over all demons and he's exalted to the highest possible place, the place God always intended for man, right next to God, sitting in the throne, ruling over all that God has created. That's what God intended for us. When you come into alignment with Jesus Christ, you then, as you submit and give allegiance to him and obey his words out of a heart of faith, you are empowered to have dominion over demons. So few Christians do. They just huff and puff and nothing happens. Demons don't take any notice of them. It's quite distressing, really. But however, we can learn and make it a lot different than that. Now, this is one of the worst things. In Exodus 20 and verse 4 through to 6, it tells us that when a man opens the doorway for demons, they can go from generation to generation. If he'll do it, he can stop this whole show dead in its tracks. Stand up and take dominion over these kind of things. Now, the Bible makes... I want you to look with me. I just about finished. Ephesians chapter 5. Well, I got heaps more I could tell you, but I'll just give you a little more. I want to get to this verse here particularly. Now I want to just put a couple of practical keys on it for you. Ephesians chapter 5. Submitting yourself to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto the husbands as unto the Lord. Now we're not going to go there too much. You can read it. It's just what it says. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. That's what I want to look at. The husband is the head of the wife as. Now that word means like this. It means something like this. It's, in the original language, it's stronger than just as. It means this. 